As superstitions go, beginner's luck stands out from the pack of rather dreary, bleak beliefs. Maybe you've been fortunate enough to experience this advantage firsthand, but if not, chances are you've at least heard stories. A novice beating a master at chess, or a newbie sinking a three-point shot, or a first-timer striking it rich on the slots. These tales have an inherent appeal. After all, who wouldn't want to be amazing at something the first time they tried it, without any practice or training? Who wouldn't want to win without putting in any hard work? But is immediate mastery always a good thing? And what happens when that luck runs out? Hi everyone, welcome back to Superstitions, a Spotify original from Parcast. On this show, we explore those strange beliefs found in the everyday, old wives' tales and cultural myths, the little habits that supposedly give us control over life's chaos. And though many of them might seem totally archaic or downright bananas, they contain an eerie nugget of truth. Today's superstition, beginner's luck, is one we all know and love. The rush of success, the thrill of victory. It's all so much sweeter when you manage to beat someone who has put in weeks, months, or even years of practice. One might imagine having this kind of good fortune would make for a pretty charmed life. But the story I am about to tell, which comes from the misty San Francisco Bay, might make you reconsider. You can find episodes of Superstitions and all other Spotify originals from Parcast for free on Spotify. Coming up, beginner's luck isn't all it's cracked up to be. Raya was not usually one to beg, but these were dire circumstances. Her intramural baseball team was down a player, and she needed her girlfriend to pinch hit, quite literally. Pretty please... Rhea asked. She even got down on her knees in front of Katie's couch. Their couch, she had to remind herself. The moving-in-together phase was still new, it had all happened so fast. Rhea hated to admit they were a bit of a cliché in that department. It's almost like a classic joke setup. You know what a lesbian brings to a second date? A U-Haul. Katie smiled at Rhea and lovingly ran a hand through her short, dark hair. No she answered firmly. But you're really cute when you beg. She kissed the top of Rhea's nose and reached for the TV remote. But Rhea grabbed the clicker first, holding it out of reach. She was not about to take no for an answer. Please, Katie, just help us out for one game and I'll do anything you want. Katie's eyebrows went up at that. Anything? She asked in a way that made Rhea blush. Within reason, Rhea responded. Can't you guys just play without him? Katie asked. But Rhea shook her head. The rules said they had to field a full team of nine or else forfeit the game. Katie opened her mouth to respond, but Rhea cut her off. Forfeiting was not an option. She was the team captain of her ragtag squad, mostly culled from the company's coders. 
It was their final game of the season, and they were up against the ad sales department, the Sons of Pitches. If it was any other team, Rhea might not have minded wrapping up the season early. But there was something about those ad guys, so smug in their designer suits and tans and bodies sculpted from time at the gym and not crouched in front of their laptops. A lopsided smile broke across Katie's face. She could tell Rhea was really passionate about this. Sensing that she was making some progress, Rhea went in for the kill. Look, I know sports aren't really your thing. Katie tried to protest, but Rhea pressed on. You won't have to do much. Honestly, we're probably going to lose anyway. We just need you to stand out in right field for an hour or two. Rhea held her breath while Katie considered the idea. Finally, she said, It's just... One game? The day of the game, like most San Francisco mornings, was foggy and grey. But it was clear enough for Rhea to watch the sons of pitches warm up on the other side of the diamond. They executed a series of precision drills, taking frequent breaks for chest bumps and butt slapping. Rhea hated to admit it, but the ad bros looked like actual athletes, ready to do some serious damage. And then there was her team, Scared hitless, as they'd appropriately dubbed themselves. As they tentatively tossed the ball around, it was painfully clear from their generally thin, pale appearances that they didn't get out as much as the pitches, nor did they have nearly as much confidence. Rhea turned her gaze off to the side where Katie stood scrolling on her phone, a borrowed glove tucked under her arm. Rhea trotted over to her. So, are you sure you don't want to warm up? Like, at all? Katie smiled and shrugged, barely looking up from her phone. Nah. Rhea nodded, resigned. Right, well, it probably wouldn't make a difference. They were going to get their asses handed to them, warm up or not. By the bottom of the first inning, Rhea's fears had been confirmed. Her team's first three batters all struck out. Only one even managed to make contact with the ball. Now, the sons of pitchers were batting. They'd already scored six times and had runners on first and second. Rhea pounded her fist into her glove from where she stood at shortstop. All right, here we go, team. Let's stop them right here. From way out in right field, Katie offered up a supportive, Woo! Ken stepped up to the plate. His name was literally Ken, like the Barbie doll, and he looked just as plastic as his namesake. The first pitch was a big, fat meatball right over the plate, and Ken went after it confidently, his bat connecting with a massive crack. Rhea sighed and mentally added another three runs to the score. It was going to be a long game. But then, something unbelievable happened. Rhea heard the thump of a ball connecting with a mitt. She turned to see Katie holding the ball. Rhea's jaw dropped, as did Ken's from where he was rounding first base. In fact, just about everyone on the field was in shock. After a precious moment, Rhea came to her senses and shouted for Katie to throw to second. She pointed helpfully in case Katie had forgotten where that was. As soon as Katie had her target, she cocked her arm back and fired an absolute rocket to David at second base. David caught the ball, almost stumbling back with the force of the impact. Throw to first, Rhea shouted, and David did. Once their first baseman, Ralph, caught the ball, they had gotten their third son of a pitch out. 
the unbelievable had just happened. The scared Hitless had made a triple play. Rhea stared at Katie as she jogged into the dugout. What was that? I thought you never played before. Katie shrugged it off. Beginner's luck. From that point on, Scared Hitless was a completely different team. Energized by their change in fortune, Jenna and Ralph actually managed to get on base on their next at-bats. Then, it was Katie's turn. Everyone on the field seemed to hold their breath. Katie stepped right up to the plate, not bothering with any practice swings. Ken was on the mound, and he seemed determined to make Katie pay for last inning's humiliation. He wound up and hurled a screaming fastball directly over the plate. Rhea wouldn't believe what happened next if she hadn't seen it with her own two eyes. It didn't make sense how lazily Katie swung the bat with how quickly the ball was speeding toward her. But her swing connected, and the ball went flying higher and higher until it punched a hole in the fog and disappeared. A home run and two RBIs. They were actually in the game. After that, Katie was unstoppable. She hit a grand slam and managed to throw a player out at home all the way from right field. Buoyed by her incredible success, the rest of the scared Hitler's team rose to the occasion like they never had before. They actually won the game, cheering and whooping in glee while the sons of pitchers slunk off the field. Well, that's over with, Katie said, not seeming to grasp the enormity of what had just happened. Rhea grabbed her shoulders and pulled Katie in for a tight hug. What are you talking about? We just won! That means we're in the playoffs! Whoa, 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 whoa. Playoffs? Katie asked, her casual expression fading. You said it was one game. Yeah, because I didn't think we would win, Rhea responded. Sorry, guys, she added to her teammates, but they all shrugged off the comment. Strangely, Katie seemed flustered, desperate to get out of playing another match. Can't Steve come back for the next one? Everyone looked from Steve, whose arm was in a cast, back to Katie. The implication was clear. Under the combined pressure of the entire team and with Rhea's pleading eyes, Katie finally agreed to play in the next game. Fine, she said, with a note of resignation in her voice. But you're going to regret this. After Katie's all-star performance, Rhea didn't see how that was a possibility. Until the next game came around. Maybe it was a lack of confidence, or maybe Katie's heart just wasn't in it. But when they went up against the Diamond Girls, a team from the publicity department, Katie seemed like a completely different player, night and day from her first showing. She bungled every catch, and she struck out nearly every at-bat. The one time she did make contact, she hit a line drive right into Jenna's chest from where she was leading off second base. Katie apologized profusely for this, but after that, everyone on the field took to cowering in terror whenever she was at bat. At the end of the day, the Diamond Girls handed them a resounding defeat. Katie and Rhea rode their bikes back to their apartment in silence. Rhea wanted to comfort Katie, who looked surprisingly sad for losing a game she didn't really care about in the first place. They got home, and Rhea moved to put on the tea kettle. 
Katie finally broke the silence. She locked eyes with Rhea, wearing a grim expression on her face. I have to tell you something. Katie took a deep breath. Then she said, I'm cursed. Coming up, Rhea and Katie go toe-to-toe with fate. Now, back to the story. Rhea tried not to laugh. Katie did seem genuinely distraught after all, but the idea that her girlfriend was supernaturally afflicted with bad luck was tough to swallow. So you had a bad game, Rhea said. It happens to everyone. It doesn't mean you're cursed. But Katie shook her head. It's not just that game, she said. It's been like this as long as I can remember. The first time I try anything, a game or a sport, I'm incredible at it. I don't even have to try. But after that, she trailed off, the memory of her disastrous second game still clear in both of their minds. Rhea tried to make light of the situation. Well then, she said, we should go to Vegas immediately. Katie rolled her eyes. How do you think I bought this place? She asked, gesturing to the spacious, modern condo they stood in. Rhea's eyes widened. She'd always wondered how Katie had managed to afford such a swanky piece of San Francisco real estate. Katie explained that once she turned 21, she hit up a casino, played every game once, and got extraordinarily lucky each time. She quit while she was ahead and before security could ask any questions about her winning streak. She'd been living off the winnings ever since. Rhea opened and closed her mouth a few times, trying to think of a response. Finally, she settled on, wow. Then, Rhea laughed. She couldn't help it. The whole situation was just too absurd. But she stopped abruptly when she saw the pain in Katie's eyes. It's not funny, Katie said. It's awful. Imagine if you could never play baseball again, or if you could never practice a sport, or develop a hobby, or improve at anything over time. I can't do anything twice. Well, technically you could, right? Rhea asked. You just wouldn't be any good. Katie shook her head. It's not just that I suck after the first time. My luck gets so bad, it's dangerous. I could have killed Jenna with that line drive, and that was just baseball. Can you imagine if I took up darts or archery or something? Rhea was starting to see Katie's point, but Katie wasn't done. Or bowling, or weightlifting, or pole dancing. Wow, okay, I get it. Rhea's brows furrowed as she considered the matter for a long time. Then she smiled. She had an idea. A way to prove that Katie wasn't cursed. Rhea walked to a utility closet and began digging through the stacks of haphazardly packed boxes. Finally, she found what she was looking for. A box labeled board games. Rhea began picking out games at random. She held them up to Katie, who answered yes or no if she'd ever played them before. Soon, Rhea's arms were full with a half dozen possibilities, including Quirkle, Yahtzee, Rummy Cube, Exploding Kittens, and a frankly problematic spin-off called Ms. Monopoly. She spread them out on a coffee table and they got to work. Or rather, play. The first time around, Katie easily trounced Rhea at all of them. But in the second round, Katie lost every game abysmally, even managing to get a paper cut from one of the cards. In the aftermath, Katie sucked her finger while Rhea lay on the floor next to the coffee table, which was strewn with brightly colored boxes, pieces, and cards. 
She stared up at the ceiling, shaking her head slowly, completely bewildered. I told you so, Katie couldn't resist saying. Rhea groaned. It doesn't make any sense. I know, but it's fine. Katie tried to put on a brave face. I've accepted my fate. But Katie's resignation only made Rhea that much more determined. No, she said, you are not cursed, and I'm going to prove it. How? Katie asked, skeptical. I am going to make you a good baseball player. No luck needed, if it's the last thing I do. Katie sighed and pulled a face. After years of living with her beginner's luck curse, she wasn't optimistic that there was anything Rhea could do to change things. But since her girlfriend was so determined, Katie was willing to let her try. Rhea took Katie to a nearby batting cage. The way she saw it, it was a controlled environment, specifically designed for safety. What could go wrong? Still, Katie suggested they take the cage in the far corner, as far away from the little leaguers as possible, just in case. Rhea set the speed on the pitching machine to a super manageable 35 miles per hour. Then, she made sure she was safely on the other side of the chain-link fence before Katie started batting. On Katie's very first swing, she connected beautifully, sending the ball flying in a perfect arc. Out on the field, it would have been a home run for sure. But the very next time, Katie somehow managed to hit the ball directly into the opening of the pitching machine. The machine began to shake and make ominous grinding noises. Then, finally... It exploded, bursting into flames. A frazzled employee came to the rescue with a fire extinguisher. After putting out the blaze, he apologized for the freak accident and offered to give them more time in another cage. But Rhea and Katie didn't take him up on it. Katie wanted to call their experiment quits right then and there. Rhea only managed to convince her to try some fielding practice by assuring her they would find the most open, deserted space possible. She was still determined to prove to Katie that this whole beginner's luck curse thing was just in her head. So Rhea and Katie found themselves in a local park as the sun was setting and most people were heading home. Despite the mostly empty fields, they still paused before each throw to make sure the coast was clear and no innocent bystanders were in harm's way. They also kept their bike helmets on as an added precaution. And they started slow standing just a few paces away from each other and playing a simple game of catch. Unsurprisingly, Katie was awful at first, somehow managing to bobble the ball even when Rhea all but placed it into her glove. After an hour of failing miserably, Katie threw her mitt on the ground in frustration, ready to give up. Rhea tried to head her off, picking up the glove and holding it out to Katie. Come on, just one more try, please. I promise I'll never bother you about this again. Ugh, fine, Katie said, rolling her eyes. She took a few steps away and held up her mitt, ready for the worst. Rhea lobbed the ball toward Katie underhand. They both watched it as it flew through the air and right into Katie's glove. From the way they celebrated, holding each other, cheering and jumping in the air, you would have thought they won the World Series. Rhea insisted on repeating the feat a few more times. With Katie's confidence restored, she improved rapidly, making catch after catch from further and further distances. In the end, Rhea was the one who had to call it a night. Katie wanted to keep going. She was on a roll. But Rhea reminded her to save some of that enthusiasm for the game.
The day of the final match was unseasonably sunny. Because they had lost so abysmally to the Diamond Girls, the best that scared Hitlers could hope for was a third-place finish. Even that would be a coup since they had been ranked last the entire season. But for Rhea, winning the game was beside the point. The only thing she cared about was Katie performing well enough to consider her curse broken once and for all. As a result, Rhea was laser-focused on Katie. Her girlfriend got off to a rocky start in the outfield, missing a couple of easy catches. But Rhea's heart soared when, on a later play, Katie managed to stop the ball with her body and get it in the general direction of the infield without maiming anyone. Progress. In the end, it all came down to the bottom of the ninth. Due to bravura performances from the whole team, Scared Hitless was miraculously up by one run. They just needed to get one more out, but their opponents, the Moneyballers, had bases loaded. The next batter hit a tricky pop fly out to right field. It cut through the air with plenty of backspin, making it difficult to predict exactly where it would fall. Rhea held her breath, waiting to see what would happen. In the outfield, Katie did a weird little dance, running first left, then right, taking a step forward, then backpedaling. But she had miscalculated. The ball was going to fly right over her head. At the last second, Katie leaped into the air, stretching to make the catch. It wasn't enough. The ball just hit the tip of her glove, spinning back into the air. Rhea's shoulders slumped, disappointed on Katie's behalf. But it wasn't over yet. Improbably, the ball came straight down and bounced off Katie's head. Then she flailed around, still wildly reaching for the ball as it bobbled off her elbow and then her knee. The ball was just inches from the ground when Katie made a desperate dive with her bare right hand and caught it. She popped up from the grass, holding the ball aloft gleefully. The scared Hitler's team burst into celebratory cheers, racing together to huddle in a joyous scrum, but no one cheered louder than Rhea, as she all but tackled Katie with a forceful hug. So, Rhea asked, what do you want to do now that the curse is definitely broken? Katie didn't pause to think about it. Let's go play darts. At its core, Beginner's luck, like many superstitions, can be pinned to psychological fallacy. We can blame confirmation bias for this one, the principle where people are more likely to accept information that supports beliefs they already have. Instances where people don't do well at a task for the first time aren't memorable. That's what we would expect. But when a novice does perform at a high level, it feels more significant, so we remember it. And then there's the fact that people who are just picking up a sport or game feel less pressure to succeed. And because they're more relaxed, they're able to perform better than a more experienced player who might be overthinking. Alternatively, a novice might approach an endeavor with more creativity and fewer preconceived strategies. This might make them harder to predict and harder to defeat. Writer and humorist Mark Twain describes such a scenario in a quote from his novel A Connecticut Yankee in King Arthur's Court. It reads, The best swordsman in the world doesn't need to fear the second best swordsman in the world. No, 
The person for him to be afraid of is some ignorant antagonist who has never had a sword in his hand before. He doesn't do the thing he ought to do, and so the expert isn't prepared for him. It would seem that literature and psychology would have us believe that the inner's luck is all in our heads. But if you believe there's something more to it, you wouldn't be alone. The superstition has become a staple in popular culture, commonly thrown out as an excuse by sore losers in movies and TV. Take it from Fred Astaire, who rhapsodizes on the theme in the 1937 film Shall We Dance? The lyrics go like this. At any gambling casino, from Monte Carlo to Reno, they tell you that a beginner comes out a winner. Beginner fishing for flounder will catch a 17-pounder. That's what I'd always heard and always thought absurd. But now, I believe every word. Thanks again for listening to Superstitions. We will be back Wednesday with a new episode. You can find more episodes of Superstitions and all other Spotify originals from Parcast for free on Spotify. Until next time, be wary of the things you cannot explain. Superstitions is a Spotify original from Parcast. It is executive produced by Max Cutler, sound designed by Nick Johnson, with production assistance by Ron Shapiro, Carly Madden, and Isabella Way. This episode of Superstitions was written by Noni Okwilagu, with writing assistance by Andrew Kelleher, fact-checking by Adriana Romero, and research by Brian Petrus. I'm Alastair Murden. 